having a good day, we're here to ruin it. I'm Anna. And I'm Jordan. And this is Ruin Your Day. I was born ready. (laughs) (laughs) You're welcome. Well... I'm glad I got that. <laughs> That's what I'm here for. I'm here for exciting starts. I, I love a good exciting start. I, I love a good, um, you know, my brain just turned off. I don't know. Who are you? I, where are we? I don't know. Fuck, what what day is it? Where am I, man? I don't even know. Where, I've, I've passed through so many time zones in the last eight days. I don't even yeah, know. Yeah, you've, you've had a couple of, we- a couple of weeks. I feel like I've had a couple of weeks in one week. Yeah, that's fair. Because you had like, it was like part one, part two of your work trip. Yes. Yeah. I got ready for the second conference on four hours of sleep. Because I, would I hate, hate myself. myself. Yep. <laughs> yeah. 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 Right, that sounds about right. <laughs> Jordan uh, is a, um, hmm, she just hates herself. I do. I was Every trying day, to like actually. Go- <laughs> My therapist and I are working on it, but not well. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it's fine. No, I do be like that. It, it do be it like really that. It really do. It really do. Listen, I can't. I really can't complain too too much. I'll have to tell you a story about the second conference in a second. But during the first conference, most of it was just playing. Like That's all I did fair. was play. Yeah. Like I went and I talked to people. I drank bourbon. It was lovely. I mean, you were like kind of. I mean, you're like a customer at like a, like a sales event. Like I, that's the way I qualify it is it's like, yeah. cause they're like all like trying to schmooze you. It tr- so truly. you're then kiss my ass. Yes, kiss it. Kiss it. Pucker up. Kiss um, it. in the second one, I had to be more on top of things cause I have a good presentation. Right. Okay. Well, how'd that go by the way? It went really well. Okay. So I walk up to give my first presentation. I had to give two. Oh, Lord. <clears throat> I get my first presentation and as I'm walking up, I go, now, I know I've talked to half of y'all already um, on our virtual one-on-ones, and I just want to remind you of the softball questions that I threw y'all. And they were like, yes, yes, yes. And I said, so I would ask for the same courtesy. <laughs> and they all kind of laugh. So I give my presentation, and one of the guys, he's like, um, so I have a daughter who plays softball, and I don't know if you've ever seen how they throw the ball, but those are not easy pitches to hit. So with that in mind, and then he proceeds to ask his question and I answer it and he's satisfied. And I look at him and I said, I grew up in a baseball family and I've been known to hit a ball a time or two (laughs) and walked off stage. Yeah. And that's what it's like being a woman in agriculture. Yeah. You just have to be really sassy and your hair has to be huge. Did you tease it? Well, it was hair washing day, ah, so it was clean and teased, and ah. then I did my bangs like really cute. Yes. And so, like when I walked in, they were like, "Oh, this one is from the south." There's no question, no like question. I had giant in their earrings on. I had heels on. Like I like was dressed all beautiful, and I was just like, "Mess with me, Mess men! With me. I dare you! I dare." So yeah, no, it was good, but good. finally got home after I missed my flight. So I missed my flight yesterday. I saw that Snapchat and I didn't follow up on it. <laughs> yeah. Happened? So I, um, was supposed to leave DC at, um, my flight left at 11. Mm-hmm. So I called for my cab at 
9.30, and it was supposed to be a 20-minute drive mm-hmm. to the to the airport from where I was at. And we get going, and it takes an hour because there is a bike race, a oh. cycling race that, that shut down almost all of the roads, and we couldn't find a way to get to the airport. So we had to go to, like, Arlington and then go into the airport Excuse me as I tuck in Clyde. Clyde just needs to be under a blanket. That's all he wants in life. And so it took an hour. And so by the time I get to the airport, it's like 10.45. There, I can't check a bag at this point because it's sure. like too close to the fly time. And so like I'm stressed the hell out. And I was thinking, just, just trying to get to the motherland. I'm just trying to get to Texas. Somebody get me out of here. Just I'm done with the District of Columbia at this point. Um, and thankfully, the United staffers were, were very lovely. I even got an upgrade in my seat because they were they felt so bad for me. Aww. But yeah, so I didn't get home. I didn't, my parents didn't pick me up until like 5.30. Oh, man. And then they're like, let's take you to dinner. And I was like, okay. Really want Mexican food. <laughs> really want Mexican food. And then when we were getting dinner, my dad was like, "Does anyone want queso?" And I was like, first of all, Gil, I'll never not turn down queso." Just so we're clear. Can we get an extra? Large and also, over here? I'd like a frozen margarita. Thank you. I think you deserve that, and especially being in non-Texas, you probably haven't had good Mexican. And- oh, when I was in Kentucky for the first conference, I had barbecue and i use that word i put air quotes around that because yeah. it was trash isn't like louisville supposed to be like a, a barbecue place supposed to be but I even thought- my dad was like trash i remember when your dad was on that trip and he was i'm about to go back there and show him how it's done my dad was literally about to sacrifice one of his own ribs that he was bringing to new york to his <laughs> boss to show these people how you're supposed to cook ribs and i was like respect the drip it's like ron swanson i know more than you truly truly and i was almost that person at this restaurant and then like i'd asked for i got brisket and i got turkey brisket dry and trash the turkey not as dry still trash so uh, that was unfortunate but then i when we when i was in dc we did like this big like dinner mm-hmm. they're like we're going to this place called succotash and i was like cool 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 and they're like it's the best southern food ever oh. and i was like i'll be the judge of that i'll be the judge of that first of all mm. get out of here with your mm. trash i don't care if you live in virginia and virginia is considered the south virginia and kentucky are the fake south Ooh. i'm sorry Ooh, bold words bold I'm sorry. words i might cut that out but no no Jessica's keep it so we have a special guest today yes and jessica her friend jessica is here and i said that and she was like i i, I mm, mm. hot take that is that is a bold statement they're okay they're not, listen they're not the fake south but they're like they're not hmm southern food is a uh strong word for food from those places i'll say i'll say Ooh. that Okay. Uh, whenever I hear Southern food, I'm thinking like... I'm bringing you to the next SASDA. You're coming to the next <laughs> conference with me, and I'm going to put you in front of Virginia... Well, you'd eat Virginia alive. I'll put you in front of Kentucky, and I just want to watch that conversation Like unfold. Master Chef, like just bring it... Just bring me the food. Garçon. 
Mm. And <laughs> you call this gumbo. <laughs> right. Like, mm, interesting. Mm. Interesting choice. Mm. So, yeah. Well, yeah, I'm tired. You're tired? I'm tired. That's okay. We, we have coffee. I do have coffee. I'm very excited. <laughs> no, no burpees tonight. No burpees. <laughs> not this time. I'm not going to. That was, seriously, I can't say it enough. That was the most chaotic episode. That, listen, last week's episode. If you haven't listened to last week's episode, <laughs> go stop what you're doing. Go listen to it and then come right back. It's just chaos yeah. and I'm here for it. Straight chaos. <laughs> that is like, if you have, like this podcast is a shot straight into our minds. Like this is us lifting the curtain for you. Yes. That episode was us in our true form. Truly. I was in my truest form. Usually I hold back just a little bit. No. No. I think we were both just like tired and manic just enough. Yes. <laughs> to just be like. Mah. Yes. So much so. So. Not men as masquerade. Do it. Thank you. And then cry after. And then come back, come, and come back, back, and then here. start right now. No, now. Pause. Okay, now unpause. Now, okay, <laughs> done. The end. Okay, now we can keep going. Yeah. <laughs> How is your life? Uh, I'm trying to think. Let me think about my life. I really put second. you on the spot there, man. I really, truly. I wasn't prepared for that question. Sorry. <laughs> my life is unexciting at the moment. That's Yesterday okay. was fun. We went to the... Man, okay, listen, let me, let me just... Mm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, if mm-hmm. you're a Texas Tech fan, mm-hmm. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm also sorry for what I'm about, I'm about to say. When UT and Tech play each other, I don't lose. <laughs> <laughs> for those of you who don't know, I have a degree from Tech and a degree from UT. Wow. So, wow. I don't lose. Wow. Well... It was just disgraceful. Mm. It and I, we so mm. Jessica and I went to the game mm-hmm. and we and she had a little less faith than I did, but I had a li- enough faith <laughs> to be like, they're both bad this mm-hmm. year. They're both bad, so it could be mm-hmm. it could it's a toss up. And Jessica was kind of in the same boat. She was like, it's at least it's going to be neck and neck. It was not neck and neck. Oof. 70 to 35 Oof. in favor of UT. Oof. It was real bad. We left after the third quarter. It do be like that. That yeah. is, I was telling, I was telling some of my Southern friends um, about tech fans. Yeah. And I was like, listen, here's how tech fans operate. We show up at the beginning because our intro is the bomb. Depending on how we do it at halftime, we either are there or we leave. And then if we are doing really well, we stay the entire time. If we're doing eh, okay, we will probably still leave at halftime. Yeah. Tell me I'm wrong. No. I, well, it depends on how neck and neck it is, too. Like, like, if, it's if, like it's, if it's like right there, we'll probably stay. Yeah. And because, if, it's a, if it's a major rival. Sure. Not that UT is a, like a major rival, but it is. It was such a blowout. Yeah. And, and also, it was in Austin. And it, yeah. But yeah, so the game was... Fun is a strong word. We were just so the first half was fun. The the so the going band wasn't there. The tech band wasn't there, mm-hmm. but the UT band was pretty cool. Um, mm-hmm. We kind of made friends with a couple of guys in front of us. Like they had graduated a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. and we what? Oh, last year. Oh, oh that's Jessica. So she was young. correcting me. Yeah, so they were youngins, but like we just were kind of like budding with them. They so the third quarter started. Mm-hmm. 
UT got a touchdown like two minutes in, and they're like, all right, we're going to Rainy Street. <laughs> That's what you do, as long as you didn't go to Dirty. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, we and we ended up at Rainy, too. Good. Which was great, which was a it's good time. A we, we went with my cousin, sister, and then John, her mm-hmm. boyfriend. Um, and they were a hoot. <laughs> that sounds like fun. Yeah. I, yeah, I definitely, like, I would have come, but. Yeah, well. <laughs> texted jordan yesterday and i was like i know you're gonna be tired like you know but if you just like if you feel so inclined like come out and join us and then she was like i'm not gonna be there till 5 30 i'm gonna respectfully decline i was like that's fair (laughs) i thought you were gonna be back like in the morning or like i was supposed to be back by three so yeah so i get it i understand well and you weren't the only one Addie and her crew were out too my friend Addie, and she was like she was like if you want to come, we're like going to dinner, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I'm, I'm in Houston currently. <laughs> so no, fa- like, I appreciate the invite, but no, thank you. It's fair. Yeah, it, it do be like that. It do be like that. Oh, yeah. Well, shit. You want to get into it? Yeah, this is a long one. And it's also our first two-parter. Yes, we're doing Yay. a two-parter because there's so much sheet to cover. Would you like to uh, introduce it? Yes, if you can't read. we're talking about the manson family murders Uh, we're doing a two-parter can Uh, i say something about the manson family i would love nothing more because i feel like i have to offer commentary before every episode okay (laughs) because you know how some people and i don't know um if you if you've noticed this but i I don't know if you've listened to like a lot of podcasts about the manson family Mm -hmm. how I always listen to podcasts and it's almost like people like they don't idolize Charles Manson or anything, but they almost like are kind of like, he's such a cool guy. And I'm like, fuck that dude. No, I fucking hate Charles Manson. Yes. He, I cannot fucking stand him. Like which, some people are just like Charles Manson. And I'm like, Ugh, Charlie. Eh. Yeah. No. no. So well, and you have to my, like think about the, the amount of attention this got. Oh, sure. And like the amount of people who who idolized at the time. And so it just set the precedent for this kind of awe and wonder because, and I'll talk about this, because how does one person hold so much power that he yeah. brainwashes a group to go and kill on his behalf. Yeah. I mean, well, and that's just, that's like where I'm at. It's like, people are like, he wasn't part of it. Oh, bullshit. He was part of it. Like he was definitely, Mm -hmm. like he may not have been there, but he was definitely the ringleader of all that. So I just, definitely, it it baffles me when people are like, Charlie. And I'm like, no. Yeah. Well, I don't, I don't take, I promise you, I don't take kind of an awe um, stance. It's more of just a matter of fact. Cause yeah, that's how I like to deal. No, I and I get it. And I, and, well, and it's also I I kind of get it too mm-hmm. that like that feeling of just just kind of bewilderment and amazement and and like for lack of better words because it, it like you were saying it's just baffling and it's mm-hmm. just how the fuck did this happen? Right. So, so for this episode, we're going to we're going to talk about um, each of the major players in the family, in, uh-huh. in Manson's family, and then the murders. 
and then and the motive. And then in the next episode, we decided we're going to talk about the trial. And then there's an alternative theory as to why. Okay. Um, which I think you will find very fascinating and I found very fascinating. So before we start, I'd like to cite my sources. You're so good about that. I always do it at the end. I, well, it's because mm-hmm. I literally put them at the top of my page. It's the first thing I have to read. Doing doing that. I always put it at the bottom. <laughs> it's like, boom, there it is. So biography.com, the Smithsonian Magazine, crimemuseum.com, and the book Hippie Cult Leader, which I brought with me today. Um, and I think, again... Um, and I'll talk more about that book um, in the next episode. Okay. So um, here we go. Woo. Yeah. As the leader of the messianic cult situated in the desert commune, in a desert commune in California, Charles Manson prophesied that a race war was on the horizon and that he and his followers would have to be armed and ready. In fact, he believed it was his duty to usher in the war by ordering his, quote, family members, end quote, to go on a killing spree. On August 8th and 9th, 1969, the Manson family, on orders from their leader, murdered pregnant actress Sharon Tate, who was married to director Roman Polinsky at the time, and four others, Jay Sebring, Wojciech, hold on, um, I said this earlier, (laughs) I even had it spelled out, (laughs) hold on, Wojciech Frakowski, 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 all right, say it with confidence, yeah, Abigail Folger, who was the heiress to Folgers, the coffee. Like that Folger, yes. That Folgers. I was, when I found that out the first time, I was like, what? What? I want to be an heiress to a coffee. Pl- oh, and then Stephen right. Parent. Right. Um, and then later in the day, uh, wealthy grocery store owners, Leno and Rosemary LaBianca. Although the majority of the Manson family members who took part in the massacres were condemned to death after being tried and convicted, the state of California reversed the decision on the death penalty in 1972, commuting their sentences to life imprisonment. Manson and his followers would ultimately claim that they had killed a total of 35 people and buried their bodies in the desert. There are many theories about why Manson ordered his family to commit these brutal murders. Manson himself drifted in and out of alertness and paranoia during many interviews. And maybe if we knew more about him and his followers, we can figure out why these murders happened. So, Charles Manson. Good segue. Well, thank you. (laughs) It's like I planned it. What? What? I know. Wow. Born in 1934 to a teenage mother, Charles Manson's early childhood and young life was spent bouncing around between relatives and later in and out of institutions in the Midwest. In his early 20s, he married twice and fathered a son. Manson was considered so thoroughly institutionalized by authorities that upon his 1967 release from a California prison, he asked the warden if he could stay. And so I want you to keep that in mind. Um, that he has be, he's literally been in and out of prisons, I think, uh, if I remember reading the book correctly, since like nine. He's yeah. like been in and out of run-ins with the law and like in and out of prisons and institutions since he well, was nine, essentially. And he, well, and even before that, like his mom was like, I mean, it, mm-hmm. it's, it's been a while since I've like read about him, but I, if I remember correctly, like his mom was just like not present. Like I don't even think he had a real name until he was yeah. like one or two. Yeah. And his mom, I don't know if you re- remember this or if you read this, but he apparently, like she apparently tried to sell him for a pitcher of beer. 
Did you hear I, that somewhere? I did not read that. Yeah. But, and then the police were like, no, you can't do that. <laughs> no. But yeah, she tried to sell him for a pitcher of beer. Damn. Just a, just a not so fun fact about Charles Damn. Manson that I wanted to throw in. So like awful childhood, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and prison was basically where he thrived. Yeah. That's, like he established order. He was a top dog. Yeah. Everyone respected him. And so when he got out, he like didn't know what to do with his life. Yeah. And so instead of being, of staying in prison, Manson migrated to Berkeley and then San Francisco cities that became flooded with young people looking to embark on a new way of life. An older figure among the crowd, he amassed a small group of followers, almost entirely women. And in 1968 headed along with several female followers to Los Angeles to pursue a music career, having learned to play the guitar in prison. Manson's tools of persuasion were the lax social codes of the late 1960s in which runaway hippies mingled freely with Hollywood royalty and his ability to tell others what they wanted to hear, both of which he parlayed into a friendship with Dennis Wilson, the drummer for the Beach Boys. Yep. Through Wilson, Manson met other music industry players and grew increasingly fixated on stardom all the while exercising greater and greater control over the group that came to be known as the Manson family. Mm. Susan Atkins. Born on May 7, 1948 in San Gabriel, California, Susan Atkins was born to to alcoholic parents. A shy child, Atkins was left vulnerable as her family continued to deteriorate. After her mother died of cancer, Atkins' father eventually abandoned her and her brother. Bouncing from various relatives' homes, Atkins met Manson in 1967, and he asked her to join his commune. Believing Manson was Jesus, Atkins became an adherent follower. She was charged with murdering Tate and later admitted that she was unsure why she did. Although she ended up expressing remorse, she was denied parole, and she succumbed to brain cancer in 2009. Wow. What was her nickname? Did you say it? Oh. Did she have a nickname? She, it's, um, Sadie. Sadie. She Sadie. was Sadie. She was okay. Sadie. Yeah. Sorry. I had to think about that. No, for it's a okay. I just, I remembered that they all had like their little fake names and I was like, yeah, was she? I, for the most part, because of how, like how many players are in this story, I keep for the most part, their real names with the exception of Tex. And the yeah. only reason why I call him Tex instead of his name. And I mentioned this later on is because, they, him and Tex and Manson have the same first name. So they're both right. Charles. Right. And that comes into play later as well. Okay. Uh, Leslie Van, Leslie Van Houten, born in, born on August 23rd, 1949 in Los Angeles. Leslie Van Houten began using drugs at 15. Oh my gosh. I know none of these, none of these people have very happy well, upbringings yeah. with the exception of Tex. Like most of them, which is so weird because he was like the worst one. Yeah, he's the worst one and he had a great upbringing. So it just goes to show you. It's not always nurture. Yeah. Um, so she began using drugs at 15, ran away from home only briefly to return to finish high school. Her mother forced her to have an abortion at 17 and she eventually fled to a hippie commune where she found her way to Manson and became a heavy user of LSD and other psychedelic drugs. 
Van Houten was only 19 when she was charged for murdering the LaBiancas. Over the years, she has been denied parole, but was supposed to get another shot in January of January 2020, and I'm unsure how that went. I think it. I think she was denied. Okay. I, I think I remember when that was happening, and I'm pretty sure she was denied. Okay. Yeah, I just didn't really have the time yeah, to right. look it up. That's right. Part of the reason she has continually been rejected is due to her blaming Manson for her actions. So not taking any responsibility. I know. God damn. Okay. I know. Uh, Patricia Krinwinkle. Born on December 3rd, 1946 in Los Angeles, Patricia Krinwinkle grew up as an insecure, overweight child who was bullied in school. After graduating from high school, she considered being a nun, but decided instead to attend a Jesuit college, only to drop out after one semester. Shortly after, she met Manson, and the two had sexual relations. At 21, she was convicted of brutally stabbing Folger 28 times and Rosemary 16 times. Writing, quote, death to pigs, end quote, in the victim's blood, she also participated in stabbing Leno, who had already died at the hands of Charles Tex Watson. Denied parole more than a dozen times, Krenwinkel has made recent claims that Manson had had been abusing her before the multiple murders occurred. Charles Tex Watson. Born December 2, 1945, in Farmsville, Texas, Charles Tex Watson was an honor student and an athlete. He attended the University of North Texas, joined a fraternity, and eventually got a job as a baggage handler at at an airline in 1967, allowing him access to free airfare. Taking advantage of a free ticket, he flew to Los Angeles, where he immersed himself into the drug and music scene. It was there that he met some of the Manson family women who introduced him to Manson at the infamous Spahn Ranch. Leading the charge um, in the Tate and LaBianca murders, Watson claimed he was the devil. After the murders, he escaped to Texas and resisted being extradited to California for nine months. Eventually, he was convicted of murder and and is currently serving a life sentence in Sacramento, California. He has since turned to religion, becoming a minister and earning a business degree. Fuck you, dude. <laughs> I know. Golly. Anytime I see, I, when I see mass murders, like, turned. Yeah. Like, Jesus I have, can forgive me. It's like, nah, well, I, I, that's not my, none of my business, but I don't think that's how it works. I don't. Yeah. You. Mm, yeah. Just, I have thoughts and feelings and being the recovering Catholic that I am, all I'm going to say is you spending a lot of time in purgatory, my friend. Yeah. You're gonna, mm, you're hmm. gonna be face down in that hot lava sand. Yeah. If I remember my teachings correctly. <laughs> Mm. Fire and mm. brimstone, Fire the the lake and... of sulfur, whatever it is. Oh, God, that yeah. like, freaked me out. <laughs> mm. uh... Yes, Bobby Basile, and I probably said that last name very weirdly, but I put it into the Google Speaks, and that's what it came up with. Wait, say it again. Basile. It's like I think it's Boussole. Boussole. Okay. I think it's Boussole. You're probably right. Bobby Boussole. Yeah. I will probably continue to say it wrong. That's okay. But Bobby. We're Bobby. Bobby. Bob, if you will. Bobby's the only Bobby in this story. Okay, Bobby. I'll, I'll be quiet now. Sorry. It's okay. Uh, born on November 6, 1947 in Santa Barbara, California, Bobby Boussole grew up in a large Catholic family. Speaking of Catholics. Catholics. 
At 15, he was sent to a reform camp for delinquent behavior and soon after fled to Los Angeles and San Francisco, getting involved with the music scene. It was during this time he befriended and moved in with Gary Hinman, who was a Manson follower. By the time the Tate murders occurred, Boussoulet was already in jail um, for the July 1969 murder of Hinman, whom he stabbed to death on orders by Manson for not paying the latter money he felt he was owed. Serving a life sentence, Boussoulet spends his time creating music and selling art. Shut the fuck up, dude. Get out of here. That last sentence felt like a blind date, like dating show. Yeah. Like in his, bachelor in his, number one. In his spare time, he, he likes to create music and make works of art. Like, Shut the fuck up, bro. Like, don't even, don't uh, stop. I love my sources. I <laughs> Steve Clem Grogan. Born on July 13th, 1951, Clem Grogan was um, an artistically inclined high school dropout who was involved in petty crimes before he joined Manson's cult. Long before Manson and his followers found shelter at Spawn Ranch, Grogan was working odd jobs there, and he met ranch hand and stuntman Shay. Believing Shay had snitched on the snitched to the police about some of the Manson family's criminal activities, Manson ordered Grogan and fellow follower Bruce Davis to murder Shay on August 26, 1969. Mm. Although Grogan was originally sentenced to death, the presiding judge reduced his his sentence to life in prison because he felt Grogan was too intellectually inept and high on drugs to have planned the murder. Grogan received parole in 1985 after revealing to the authorities the location of Shay's remains. Mm -hmm. Bruce Davis, born on October 5th, 1942 in Monroe, Louisiana, Bruce Davis was the editor of his high school yearbook and attended college in Tennessee for a few years before traveling to California in the early 1960s. He met Manson and some of his female followers in Oregon and eventually became Manson's right hand. Davis was present during the murders during the murder of Hinman and actively participated in the torture and killing of Shea. Although he was temporarily on the lam for a time, he turned himself into the authorities in 1970. Having become a preacher in prison, Davis is currently serving a life sentence and has been continuously denied parole. You motherfucker. You can't, you can't just do that. You can't. If you're listening to this in prison, fuck you. You can't do that. <laughs> I'm telling them to fuck themselves. Like, go fuck yourself. You can't do that. That's not it. how this works. I love it when Anna goes on a little rage rant. God, it's my fuck. favorite. Jesus Christ. Okay. 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 Right. You feel better to get that out of your system? I, I, it's, I'm probably not done. It's probably going to keep coming, but I'll, I'll, I'll be quiet for now. Oh, yes. Linda Caspian. Ooh. Cas- Caspian. Caspian. I love me at Prince Caspian. Uh, <laughs> we don't have time. <laughs> That it, that requires its own podcast. It really does, and I will spoon later. <laughs> Born on July 21st, 1949 in Bidford, Maine, Linda Caspian moved to Los Angeles in 1968. She met Manson through Catherine Gypsy Share and moved to the Spawn Ranch with Manson and his followers. At first, Caspian found Manson's message to be peaceful, but his tone eventually changed to one of violence and paranoia. Mm-hmm. She was sent to... 
150 Silo Drive to assist in the Tate murders, but never went inside the house as Watson told her to stay outside the residence. She also stayed in the car during the La Bianca murders, eventually leaving the scene with Manson. Caspian eventually turned herself in and became a lead witness and received immunity. Mm, Okay. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) All I'm saying is respect the grind. (laughs) I, something like that. (laughs) I mean, mean, okay. Yeah, I don't really know what to make. I don't even know how to Mm. comment on that. I don't know if I can contribute anything of interest. (laughs) Lynette Squeaky from. Squeaky. Squeaky. Squeaky from. Squeaky. Although she was one of Manson's most trusted associates, Lynette Squeaky Fromm had no hand in the Tate-La Bianca murders. Born on October 22, 1948 in Santa Monica, California, she was not present at either murder scene. However, she was a fixture in front of the Los Angeles courthouse during Manson's trial, remaining loyal to him throughout. After Manson was convicted, he was moved from prison to prison and Fromm moved from town to town to be near him. In September 1975, she pulled a gun on President Gerald Ford in Sacramento. She was convicted of an attempted assassination and sentenced to life in prison. The trial ended with Frome throwing an apple at the face of the persecuting attorney, knocking off his glasses. It's so so bad, but also the image is kind of funny. No, it's really funny. In December 1987, Frome escaped from a West Virginia prison in an attempt to meet up with Manson, who she heard developed cancer. She was captured and imprisoned until 2008 when her parole was granted. Frome was released a year later. Is she still alive? So she's still alive? And kicking? I don't know off the top of my head. I did not not look that up. Keep talking. I'm going to look it up because I'm curious. Okay. So those are the those are the major players, and um, okay, I'm gonna get into the murders next. And so this is everyone's uh, trigger warning. These are all pretty gruesome. She is indeed still alive. Oh, cool! Wow! Oh, yeah! Wow! Okay, sorry. I was just no, curious no. about her. I can appreciate that. Yeah. So um, again, very gruesome. Yeah. Um, so just. Prepare yourself. So, Hinman murder. And this is the murder that basically, like, it's the first of the series. Mm-hmm. So, Tex Watson scammed Bernard Crow to obtain money for Manson. Crow threatened Manson and the Manson family. Soon after, Manson shot Crow under the false pretense that Crow was a part of the Black Panthers, an African American leftist organization. And I do talk about this a little bit, but. Um, I mean, Manson was pretty racist. Yeah. yeah. Like a little bit, just a little bit, a little bit, pretty racist. Um, and so if like, you didn't know that the, like the, like the thought of like, he shot him because he was a part of the black Panthers. You're like, what, why? But knowing that he is as racist as he is or yeah. was, cause he's dead now as he was like, you're like, oh yeah, he, that's a hate crime. Yeah. So. Um, Crow did not die, however, and Manson feared retaliation from Crow because of that. And apparently when um, Manson pulled the gun on Crow, which I will talk about a little bit later on or in the next episode, um, Crow like taunted him. He's like, if you're going to do it, you better fucking shoot me. Oh, my God. And Manson was like, 
Bet. <laughs> Bet. <laughs> but in like 1969 speak. <laughs> um, and was like pew pew. And Crow played dead essentially to get Manson to leave. And the person, the other person who was in there with him, like once Manson was gone, Crow was like, I'm not dead. And so, yeah, so he lives. So Manson was in uh, fear of retaliation from Crow and from the Black Panthers organization. Yeah. In order to escape and move into a, a new territory away from Spawn Ranch, Manson needed money. In the midst of Manson's escape plan, he was told that his friend Gary Hinman was coming into some money from an inheritance. In an effort to retrieve the money from Hinman, Manson ordered Babe. 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 Along with Mary Brunner and Susan Atkins to go to Hinman's residence and persuade him to turn over the money. And so it's important to note that Hinman doesn't live in the commune on the ranch with everyone else. Okay. So, and like, that's also important for the alternative theory as well, which I will talk about, but anyway. Um, Hinman was uncooperative and after being held hostage for days, Manson came over with a sword and slashed Hinman's face and basically almost slashed his left ear off. What? Yeah. And apparently it was like a, like a civil war sword. Bro. (laughs) It's not funny, but it's like, what the fuck are you? Well, I know what I was about to say. What are you on? I know what he's on. Lots and lots of LSD. Yes. And other things probably. Yes. But Jesus Christ. Right. Yeah. So basically like how it was described was he, his left ear wasn't off completely. It was basically just hanging there. (laughs) Yeah. It's not, it's not good. That's no good. Ultimately, Bobby murdered um, Hinman by stabbing him twice in the chest. Hinman's blood was used to smear, quote, political piggy, end quote, on the wall, along with the Black Panther's paw to implicate the Black Panther party. Although there was much speculation regarding the circumstance around Hinman's murder, Bobby was arrested when he was found sleeping in Hinman's vehicle, wearing the bloody clothes worn during the stabbing and with the murder weapon concealed in the trunk tire. Huh. Mhm. Fucking idiot. <laughs> Fair. Okay, so the Tate murders in a semi-isolated location in the canyons of Beverly Hills on Silo Drive, act- actress Sharon Tate and director Roman Polinsky were leasing a home together. On August 9th, as 1969, a pregnant Tate was enjoying the company of her friends in the absence of her lover and father of her unborn child. Those spending the night with Tate were Abigail Folger, Wojciech Frykowski, and Jay Seberg. Into the late hours of the night, Tate's neighbors claimed to have heard suspected gunshots but did not alert the authorities. There were also reports of a man's screams coming from Tate's residence. Later that night, a private security guard hired by the property owners also heard gunshots coming from the Tate residence and proceeded to notify LAPD. And I don't really get into like that portion a whole lot. So if you have this answer, why are they all there? Like all these reports after the fact, but no one fucking called the police. Yeah, I was just about to say that. Like it's weird that like all these people 
are hearing this in and like Beverly saying like Hills. Oh, yeah like oh yeah we're it's just the bystander effect probably yeah. like, oh it's definitely just, you know they don't know well but but you but also again it, like you said it's Beverly Hills and no one's like thinking like oh that's I should good. call the police probably a gated secure yeah. location oh it it is they like had to jump fences yeah so you would think that gunshots would be weird yeah so that's weird it's yeah. very weird like no one yeah so yeah. and so it doesn't say when the security guard calls LAPD but the following morning at 8 a.m the housekeeper Winifred Chapman came into the residence to discover the brutally uh. murdered bodies so like yeah. they still didn't show up even though they were notified that something suspicious was going on. Something a little sus. A little sus. A little sus. Golly. According to the book Helter Skelter, the true story of the Manson murders by Vincent Bugli- Bugliosi, lead prosecutor of the case, and Kurt Gentry, Charles Manson directed Charles Watson, Susan Atkins, Linda Caspian, and Patricia Krenwinkel, to enter the Tate residence and to, quote, destroy everyone in it as gruesome as you can, end quote. Watson, Atkins, Caspian, and Krenwinkel all climbed up a brushy platform to gain entrance into the property. While they were trespassing, Stephen Parent, a visitor of the residence caretaker, William Gerdison, was leaving the property in his vehicle. Watson stopped Parent, swung a knife at him, and then shot him four times in the chest and abdomen. Watson entered the residence by cutting the screen of a window and opened the front door for Atkins and Krenwinkel. Caspian was at the end of the driveway to keep watch. Uh, Watson and the group entered the residence and found Tate, Folger, Frakowski, and Seabrig. Tate and Seabrig were tied together by their necks, and Folger was taken into a nearby bedroom. Seabrig was shot and stabbed seven times. And I'm going to stop real quick. I want you to keep in mind the numbers that I throw out. Okay. Because they're, they're related to the stabbings. Okay. okay. So. And so Seabrig shot, stabbed seven times. Frakowski was bound by a towel but managed to free himself. In doing so, he became involved in a physical altercation with Atkins, resulting in her stabbing him in the legs. Frakowski continued to flee, but Watson struck him with the gun multiple times overhead, shot and stabbed him multiple times. The gun grip broke off as a result of Watson striking Frakowski over the head. That's not an easy feat. No. Folger fled the room she was taken to and was then chased by Krenwinkel. Folger was stabbed by Krenwinkel and eventually stabbed by Watson as well. Folger was stabbed a total of 28 times by both Krenwinkel and Watson. Meanwhile, Frakowski was struggling across the lawn when Watson came up and stabbed him again. Frakowski was stabbed a total of 51 times. Holy shit. Mm Mm-hmm. Tate witnessed the horrific crimes and pleaded with Atkins for mercy, but was rejected. Tate was stabbed a total of 16 times. Her unborn child did not survive the incident. I hate it. I know. There's also like that, like, and you might talk about it, but like when they go to trial or when they're being interviewed by authorities, they talk, one of them talks about how Sharon Tate just kept calling for her mom. Mm Mm-hmm. 
And it, that always like makes me so sad. Cause I know. It's just, like all she wanted in that moment was her mom. The comfort of her mom. I know. La Bianca murders. On August 10th, the night after the Tate murder, Manson and six of the Manson family members, Van Houten, Grogan, Atkins, Caspian, Grinwinkle, and Tex, committed another murder. Unlike the Tate murder, Manson joined in on the La Bianca murder because he felt there was not enough panic among the victims from the Tate murder. Oh my God. Manson and the family members drove around looking for prospective murder victims when they arrived in a, the neighborhood of, of a home in which they had attended a party the year prior. The neighborhood home belonged to the, a successful grocery company owner, Leno LaBianca, and his wife, Rosemary. Was it their party, or did they just move into this house? I don't know. Okay. I was curious. There are several differing accounts from Manson and the six uh, Manson family members, so the exact happenings of the murder are not certain. Manson claims that he approached the home alone and returned later to bring Watson along. When Manson and Watson were in the residence, they tied up the La Bianca couple with a lamp cord and with pillowcases over their heads. Manson reassured the couple that they would not be hurt and that they were being robbed. All the cash was collected and the bounded Rosemary was returned to her room. After, soon after, Van Houten and Krenwinkle entered the premise with the instructions from Manson to kill the couple. Manson left the residence and instructed Van Houten and Krenwinkle to follow Watson's orders. Watson began stabbing Leno multiple times when, and when Leno cried out to stop stabbing him. Well, wasn't, there was also, maybe it was a lot, I can't remember. Sorry, I'm like jumping in a whole lot in this. That's okay. I just, I, the Manson just intrigues me a lot. Yeah. Um, but wasn't there, one of the victims was like, I'm already dead, I'm already dead, I'm already dead. There was one of them. I can't remember which one it was. That was probably over in the Tate murders. I think it was, I don't think it was this one. It was either it was either full. I think it was Folger who yeah. was saying that. It was one of the women that was like, "I'm already dead. Like, yeah. Why are you still stabbing me?" Yeah. So, so, so Watson began stabbing Leno. So afterwards, in the bedroom, Rosemary began to swing the lamp still attached to the cord wrapped around her neck. Van Houten and Krenwinkel yelled for Watson's aid and stabbed Rosemary multiple times. Watson gave the knife to Van Houten and she continued to stab Rosemary. Rosemary was stabbed a total of 41 times Jesus by Christ. Watson, Van Houten, and Krenwinkel. Yeah. I, like, no. overkill doesn't even begin no, to describe this. No, that's just, that's just, I mean, there's no words for mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. That's insane. Watson returned to the living room and continued to stab and kill Leno. Krenwinkel carved the word war into Leno's stomach, oh stabbed God. Leno multiple times, left a carving fork sticking out of his stomach, and left a knife in Leno's throat. Leno was stabbed a total of 26 times. On the walls of the living room, quote, death to pigs, end quote, and quote, rise, end quote, were written in Leno's blood. On the refrigerator door, a misspelled helter-skelter was smeared. When it like helter-skelter? Yeah, it was like, like yeah, it was like really... Really weirdly spelled. Stupid fucks. Like, <laughs> God damn. I'm just, just pissed off. Stupid fucks. That's <laughs> hilarious. I'm sorry. I'll uh, just be here. <laughs> I'll just be here. Um, Frank Struthers, 
Rosemary's son from a prior marriage returned from a campaign trip and was and found it suspicious that the shades were drawn. He also found it suspicious that Lena's speedboat was still parked in the driveway. Struthers called his sister to alert her and she came with her boyfriend, Joe uh, Drogan. Drogan and Struthers entered the home through the side door and found Leno's body. LAPD was alerted. Yeah, I hope fucking so. Yeah. I don't don't know why. Fucking fucking hope so. Like, that's a body. I better call somebody. Right? Like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Um, And also, like, how awful. Can you? Like, to find your stepfather and potentially your mother as well. I'm sure he ran and tried to find his mom, too. Yeah. I I don't know what I would do in that moment. Like, I think I would just... immediately call my therapist just probably just be like we need to go ahead and schedule a meeting hey today. i don't know what your schedule is like um but if you could fit me in next tuesday that'd be really great uh so talking a little bit about the motive behind all of these murders uh-huh. um manson's philosophy of the upcoming apocalypse was apparently the true motive behind the killings he told his family that helter skelter was coming according to manson helter skelter was the uprising of a racial war between the quote blackies and whiteies in quote he would gain from the racial he would gain from the racial war by hiding himself and his family in a cave located in death valley until the war ended he would facilitate this war by killing whiteies and implicating the african-american community with various acts such as disposing the victim's wallets in an area highly populated by african-american residents you know what yes fuck off (laughs) yeah man fuck off I just don't have words. I know. It's so gross. I know. It's so gross. I know. <sighs> I hate it. I hate it here. I don't like it here anymore. Isn't Helter Skelter just like a Beatles song? Yes. The yeah. fuck man. Yeah. The fuck man. That's, and like basically there is so much, there's so much drugs involved. So much drugs. And also he's on so many. So many. And then, so you couple... All of the drugs plus being institutionalized for a majority of his life. And like apparently, and I'll get into this in the next episode, but apparently like the rhythm in which he speaks, basically it's like he never left the 60s. Like he never no. left the late 60s. It's like his mind is still in the late 60s, although he he would have moments of like extreme clarity. Oh my God. And then like fleeting and then it would pass and he'd be ripe and everything was a riddle what was he like when it was when it was clarity when it, it was, was like it was like he made st- he made bold statements he confirmed things but it was literally like you it you just had to be yeah ready and waiting like there's no time but here's all this information and then what and then it was back it was back wow. into the and his cadence in which he would talk it was very like hey, um, poetry night yeah it was like hard poetry poetry night like it was very apparently weird his voice is so like if you've listened I'm sure you've watched like documentaries mm-hmm. and recordings of him, but he's scary. Mm-hmm. Like just listening to him talk and laugh is like fucking terrifying. Yeah. Like it's very clear that like something's not correct. Yeah. The drugs have done their due. Mm-hmm. So, 
Um, that's where I'm stopping it for now. Jesus fucking Christ, just, man. Just, just keep on all of that. <sighs> just, oh, you just love to hear it. I'm just um, tired. I'm just, <laughs> it's, just, it's just like, wow. I know. I know. Wow. Yeah, and that's a lot of information that I've just like thrown at you all. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but trust me when I say part two, I'm about to rock your world. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. Like, you can be if you want. I'm in Dallas. I just drive for the next recording. Let's do it. <laughs> Why not, right? That's Why not, the hell not? Why the hell not? Let's go. You know? I'll see a problem. We just meet in Troy. Let's just meet at the window. Cries. Does a... Does Manson part two from the silos in Waco. Oh my God. We would look like crazy people. Oh my God. They would ask oh, us to leave. Those are damn good cupcakes. Those lemon lavender ones oh. you brought that one time. Say less. Say less. All right, let's go. Let's okay. go. Come on. We'll see y'all there. See y'all. <laughs> <laughs> Chip and Joanna. Chip and Joanna are special our guests. Special guests. What, what do you else? think? What, what's your opinion on Helter Skelter? What? <laughs> They'd be like, excuse me. We no. just want you, we just want you to smell our candles. Like, <laughs> just want to touch all their things. Wanna, oh God, have you? I just every time I like walk into a Target, I just like want to touch all their things. I do actually. Every time I watch into a walk into a Target, I do touch all their things. Yes, we had brunch today with my cousin-in-law, uh, me and Anna, and. She, she walks in from outside and she goes, oh, this candle smells so good. And my cousin-in-law, Brent, he goes, oh, it's Chip and Joanna Gaines from Target. It's called Salt. And I'm going to go get that candle. It smelled damn good. It did like smell really good. And I just turned around and I said, of course you have a Chip and Joanna Gaines like, candle. And it is called Salt. Salt. Just Salty. Salt. Salty AF. <laughs> Yeah, no, it smelled damn good. I want to talk to the marketing person about naming a candle salt. Salt. It didn't smell like salt. It just smelled, it was just clean. Well, then that is false advertising. False advertising, my dude. I'm just kidding. Chip and Joanne. What are you doing? Joanna. Joanna. I was going to say Joanne. What the the hell? But yeah, so. Damn. I know. I know. That is, so, uh, so we will be recording a part two and, and, and in which I'm going to talk about the trial itself and then go into an alternate theory. And I want all of the thoughts. Um, yeah, it's going to be great. Yes. Uh, Uh, um, um, wow. I I just watched, I just watched Anna. You say, have you ever seen, um, a computer reboot? That was me. Just watched Anna reboot (laughs) just now. She just blacked out for a second. I just watched. I watched her eyes glaze over for a second, and then there was clarity. All of it. I was like, "Oh, there she is." Yeah, just just for a split second. Hey, buddy. It do be like that. Hey, I'm glad you joined us. <laughs> I've been here the entire time. <laughs> <laughs> I've been here the entire. I've been participating. Leave me alone. I just, I am a participant. Thank you. I'm sorry, I don't mean to be angry. I'll be here. No, well, Manson makes us angry. Manson just brings out the anger. But hold on to that. Okay, I'm and in the most healthy way possible, let it fester. Okay. <laughs> so when we record I part two, I can do that. I just wanna. I just can't wait for that. I'm really good at letting things fester, 
and get infected. I I'm ready. So when <laughs> when the next time we go we come, I'm just gonna be a like a uh, hmm. How do I want to put this? I'm how do I, how grossly do I want to put oh, this? I'm you waiting. know what? I'm gonna put it in the grossest way possible. I'm oh, just dear. gonna be a infected staff filled scab. So angry and so festering. You're looking at me like I'm insane. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> and I'm just going to be like, give it to me. You know, actually, that was more eloquently put than I thought you were going to put it. <laughs> honest, if we're being very honest with ourselves. A staff infested scab. Yeah. Festered. That was, that was yeah. All right. It's beautiful phrasing. Thank you. You're welcome. That's just who, that, that, you know. That's who you are. That's who I will be by the time we come back here. That's what I'm here for. I'll be waiting. Get ready. Let me just let, let, it, let it marinate. <laughs> It got worse. It got so much worse. It got worse. <laughs> I hate that word. And on that note. Well, follow us on all the things. We love you. We love you. Good night. <gasps> Bye. Bye. Yeah.